This reading is from 2 Kings, chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. And it's entitled, Naaman Healed of Leprosy. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet, who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Make the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. This is the word of the Lord. quite interesting as well but that's not the point of the reading for me the point of the reading because you'll see if you go on later do it as homework and Bernard will be testing you next week to make sure you did it the next part of the you know Naaman gets upset with Elisha and gets all those angst and everything else and he gets healed and he realizes God has worked I'm not interested in that part of it what fascinates me is the servant girl look back at that reading the servant girl she's not named in the bible She's been persecuted, taken captive, pulled out of her environment in Israel, put into this terrible situation where she's working as a servant girl. But as soon as she sees someone in trouble, what's her first reaction? Not, God, that's terrible. Tough. Her first reaction is, my God could heal you. Isn't that a witness to all of us? Think about that girl. That is a witness to me. I sit there. She's not named we never know about her again. It's one or two lines in the Bible. But she says, 
when someone's in trouble, you reach out to them with help. And I think I would like to show you today, I'm not going to appeal for money. I'm going to tell you how well you're doing. I'm going to tell you how well God is pleased with you as a Christian faith in this country. You see, what I see continually is people like me. We run round with charities. We've got to raise money. That's a fact. And then at Christmas, we're Christians, aren't we? My dad has it. He lives in Upminster still. He's 91. He's totally off the planet. He's, he's bought himself a new car because he thought that would be good. He's how fit he's a Normandy vet. So he's still fit. He goes off to France and he's all over the place. But he bought himself a new car out of my inheritance. I got a word with him about it. <laughs> how they're letting him drive. But my dad will send a 10 quid here, 10 quid there, 10 quid there to things that move him. And then what happens is he gets 300 letters sent to him. You see that? Do you experience that as Christians? And what do we feel? Guilt. We feel, oh gosh, we've got to meet all these. Can't meet the need. Let's put them to the side. We get all over the place. There is a very simple answer and I bring it to you today. Ask God. Say, God, if this moved my heart, let me react to it. So if what I'm talking today, it moves your heart, react to it. If it doesn't, react to something else. Ask God in all. We get confused because we start putting our own thing. Oh, I need to do something about this and that. Ask God in all. Let me tell you about what you've done. You see, there's this guy called Jesus that we love. Don't we love Jesus? I was at a Pentecostal church a few weeks ago. When I said, don't you just love Jesus? Still hard work. How do you do this every week? I'd like to say hello to the people in the balcony. I've always wanted to do that since I saw Michael McIntyre do it. Hi, everybody up there. You see, Jesus is the hope for the world. We've got to recognise that. All of us have to recognise Jesus is the hope of the world. And that means through the way you and I all live and behave and what we do. Because people are watching us. Why aren't all the churches filled in the UK? Because people from the outside look in and say, do I want that? They have to look at us. On a Monday morning when I walk into work, I'm blessed because I go into a Christian organisation. It's fabulous. I just say, it's absolutely fabulous. You go in and we pray in the morning. You know, we do the prayer course before we start work. It's fantastic. I'm so lucky. But how do we act when we go Monday morning? The thought of Monday morning at work. Are we taking Jesus in there or we had it on Sunday? We've done our bit and we're going on. But people are looking at us for the hope of the world. We are the hope of the world. Bill and Ricky, you are the hope of the world. I'm serious. You are the only difference. You're doing a series on the Beatitudes. I've been listening to it. I've been quite interested. I got through the whole lot. I'm keeping up with you, with Ian, and it's very good. But Jesus didn't do that preach for us to listen to it. He gave that preach for us to go and act it out. Is that true? You see, someone's going to meet you today who's never met Jesus. And they're going to look at you and they're going to say that. The easiest thing on a Monday morning when I'm doing work talks for people, say, how do you, how do you bring work into... I've been working in a secular environment for 15 years. I was MD of a huge company. Then I went on this stupid thing called the Alpha Course. Whoever invented that needs shooting. I was doing really well. I now drive a Ford Focus. I had a Range Rover. What happened, God? <laughs> Serious. I was managing... I had 1,700 people working for me. And God said, you have to leave. 15 years ago. What a strange request. I'm so blessed that he did. Because I would have been nowhere. I would have been divorced. I would have been nowhere. I was all over the place. And God saved me. So I recognised that. You see, this thing. What are going on a Monday morning? What's the easiest thing in the secular world? People say to you, what did you do at the weekend? I did this and this and that. My first thing is, I went to church. 
And I met Jesus Christ and I had a fantastic time with the fellowship. Because that's what it's about. It's about mates, isn't it? Blokes aren't interested in all the other stuff. They want to know there's a load of mates. Loads of blokes. And we have a good time together. And we praise God. And we've got a purpose in life. I looked at my purpose in life. You go in and say that on a Monday morning. What's your workplace? Go, what? We have the luck and the privilege to be able to do that. A lot of the projects we work in, we work in 29 countries, as it says there, 41 projects, which is why my hair is falling out. And why I sound like this all the time. You see, R is for the relationship with God. What does rope stand for? You can say whatever you think. But for me, there is one simple truth. Jesus created the church, that's us, not the building, created us to be missionaries. In this country, in our town, in South End, which is a lost place down there, you know, they beat Wickham. <laughs> I was there. I come from High Wickham now. They go there. But go everywhere in the world. My family, my family is slightly lost. A couple of them, slightly lost to God. We all got that? Anyone else got that in their family? Do what we start doing? Let's say grace at dinner. It really throws them out. Do we ever ask to do grace? We always used to do grace when we were kids, didn't we? Why don't we bring grace back into lunch? What? Why don't we do that? I met a guy the other week, Brian, Brian Pallet. He's the most wonderful, gifted man of God. And he said to me, he's been married 50 years, and Jan, his wife, they're lovely. They run a Christian mission thing. And I said to Brian, what's it like being married 50 years? I've done 28, okay? He's done 50. What's it like being married 50 years? He said, it's a blessing. He said, every day we get to say two scriptures together, morning and evening. And I went, flip. <laughs> I didn't even say hello some mornings. But look at the blessing of God. R is for the relationship of God. We don't sometimes feel very brave, do we? We feel a bit weak. We have to rely on God more. Me, particularly. In 76% of the world, they do not like Christianity. And I don't mean they don't like Christians like our press don't like the BBC hate Christians and everything else. I know that. You want to go where this? Pakistan, Sajat, who works works that project. When he walks to work, he expects to be shot most days. Not a bit of abuse, possibly shot. We have six bodyguards working on various things at the moment. In Hindu fundamentalism, and in a big area, and you mustn't tape some of this, but Hindu fundamentalism is worse than Islam. Hindus, all very gentle. No, no, honestly, not. Eight people taken off the streets in Nepal for preaching the Bible. Bang, in prison. Two of our people in India, in prison for 100 days, for no reason whatsoever. Brought out into the village, stoned, and then put in prison. That's what's going on in this world. And Christians, we have to react. We're very blessed because we have a God. And the Old Testament I love because actually when you get despair and burn is right, the world's in a mess. Read the Old Testament. It just means a bit of encouragement. It was worse. Some days I can't think it can't possibly get worse. You imagine two people. Sorry, can I pick on you? Not pick on you in the road sense. We got two people like this lovely couple sitting here who are literally pulled out Onto the street from our orphanage, 40 kids in our orphanage, pulled out the street, stoned and then put in prison. See you again, 100 days, still no, no prosecution, no them. We get five minutes with them a week. That's what's happening in this world. Fascinating. What do we rely on? You see, we have to rely on the power of God behind us. The challenges ahead of us are nothing compared to the power of God behind us. And when we get caught up in the world's problems, we see a lot of things. Can we put the slides up, guys, for me, please? I just want to praise your sound team and everything. Can we should be proud? Because they do all this work behind the scenes all the time. 
I love the worship band even more, but sound guys, I recognise. They're the people, if they're not here on a Sunday, you see pastor's hair fall out. It's terrible, isn't it? You see, this relationship is about God. It's always back to God. God's at the end of it. God's in the middle of it. God's everywhere. It is not about a charity doing good works because it doesn't happen without God's grace. You see, there's good news as well. The good news is, would anyone like to guess how many people came and baptised in Asia last year? Anyone like to guess? Go wild. Nearly. In China alone, over a million. 500,000 in Asia, where we're working, were baptised. Not as a result of our work, I can't say the organisations. 595,000, actually, if you want to know. So there is hope in the world, so I'll give you the hope and the problems at the same time. And let's address the frustrations. The daily challenge for me is people say to me, oh, India, they've got a space programme and they've got a racetrack. Yes, I know. So have we. And we've still got homelessness. But look at the world in a different way. Look at the world through the Bible. The Bible said this is God's kingdom, doesn't it? This is God's kingdom. So what do I do? And I'll show you an example, because that's our belief. We believe everyone deserves God-given potential. That These are widows in India. Here's my choice. I can say they've got a space programme. Okay, love the smiles. They're great, aren't they? When you become a widow, widow, a widow, a widow in India even, what happens is sometimes in some provinces, your family comes along, repossesses your house, kicks you out, puts you on the street because your husband's died. And the family has the right to repossess, take the land and everything. It's a big thing. Okay? I'm not judging that. That's a fact of life. We've got our things. They've got their things. What do you do with these people? There's no benefit system. There's no way of looking after them. So they come to our projects. I don't care what faith they come from. What does Jesus tell me to do? £15 a month, that's what we pay. And we look after them. If they're younger, we, put them into, we, we actually teach them a trade and get them back working. If they're older and can't do anything, we don't do anything. But we provide a little community club and everything else. How do we work as rope? We don't send people out there. We work with local people, local pastors, particularly local churches. We love the church very much. But you can't ignore it. My choice is, do I walk away from that and take, get into the political, political stance? Or do I look at it as God's kingdom and we'll bring them to Jesus Christ? because we will see the love, dignity and hope of Jesus Christ. So R is this relationship with God underpins it. And O is for the opportunities. You see, the refugees crisis, we're working in Lebanon, so I'll tell you about Lebanon. Did you know Lebanon's a Christian country? Lebanon is not a Muslim country. Lebanon is a majority Christian country still, just about. Most people don't know that. So O is this opportunity... We want to deliver God's kingdom to the most marginalised and disadvantaged. We want them to realise their God-given potential. I want everyone in this country to realise their God-given potential. We're so blessed. We can come to church on a Sunday, drive home and everything. But actually, if we look inside the Bible, it says, what's your God-given potential? What's your gifts, guys? What's your gifts? Are you using your gifts? Not going to make you feel guilty, but think about it. My gift, my gift is still to be discovered, so I'm sure there's new ones coming. Okay? But I have certain gifts, and I know how to use them really, really well. Fifteen years ago, my gift was making loads of money for a big company. And God saved me from that and said, actually, do you know what? I could use your gifts a lot better to do something much more meaningful. 
On the 10th of September 2015, I was sitting on the metro. Uh, on the metro, on the train, well, which country I'm in? This country, London. I was in London and there's a paper called the Metro. Does everyone know it? Yeah. Being slightly Scottish and slightly Jewish, a free newspaper is like heaven to me. It's like, it's fantastic. They do free newspapers. It's rubbish, but it's free. I'll just, I'll read it anyway. That's great. You know, my mum would be so proud of me. I get to page 23. And on page 23, left hand side, it had this story and it said 16,000 children under the age of five will die today. New stats from the United Nations. Okay. First of all, why page 23? We had Brat, Angelina, whatever else going through the paper. We get to page 23 before the most significant story, and it's a little story. And I look at it, and I turn to God, as I often do. Sometimes I should learn from Bernard, turn in prayer. I turn in rant, because I'm a bloke. God, what are we doing? Why is it page 23? What's happening here? What's going on? What's going on? Six weeks later, he gave me this job. Which I think is really funny, because God's going, yeah, shut up, Jay, just put you in the job. Now you can get on and do something about it. And then I start looking at the problems, and I say, well, we've been working at this for years, haven't we? We've all been working, Band-Aid, all the charities. And I go back, and I actually found out that 33,000 children used to die under the age of five every day. And now it's 16,000. We'll die today. That's still really sad. That's still terrible, isn't it? But there's an advancement, and we have to see the advancement of God's kingdom. You have to see that God is working against the principalities of darkness that live in this world. It's not something we can ignore. We can't ignore evil. There is evil everywhere I go. I walk into evil. I am up against evil all the time, and I just laugh at it. Because Graham Cook years ago taught me this thing, that when you see evil, you just say, is that all you've got? You wait till you meet God. You're in serious problems, mate. You've got to believe that and you've got to live it because that's what rope's about. So O's the opportunity. Let's talk about this. The opportunity, Middle East. There's some great charities working in the Middle East. We work in Lebanon with Heart for Lebanon. And there's a huge need, 7.9 million people displaced. Okay, Just so you understand, over here in Colombia, 6 million people displaced. In Peru, 4.5 million. You, know, you just keep going around the world, people are being displaced. If you want to put that in context, that means... Since 2011, every hour, 50 families, let's count 50 families in this church, are up and displaced, up and displaced, every hour. That's what it's about. And they don't all want to come to the United Kingdom. Believe it or not, they want to go home. So when they're displaced, what do we do? Well, we can feed them. We can do lots of good things, and people are doing great work. But we look at a bit more fundamental issue. What I'm looking at is rope and with various other charities. We look deeper. What's the biggest issue we face is for our children and our grandchildren. Because those people have been dishonoured. They have been shamed. And in the Arab culture, that means you need to get revenge. That is bringing radicalisation to a group of people between the ages of 8 and 10. The people, stand, these kids standing up here, they're being radicalised. So what do we do? As Christians, we're back in there and we're giving them education, we're giving them love, we're giving them dignity, we're giving them hope. That's what we're trying to do. Because the difference is, they're going to wander off and like those. Are they going to be too Christians or are they going to be too radicals? And what you're building, you think ISIS is bad now, well imagine there's another million coming. It's only about 80,000 to 90,000 they reckon in ISIS. Imagine another million are being trained up right now. Now what do we do as Christians? We worry about it, pray about it. Yes, please, big time. 
but then we do something about it. We need to get in and educate these children. This is one of our projects. This is called Hope on Wheels. And this is a kid's project. This is a lorry. It turns up. Bouncy Castle goes out there. I've got a picture of the Bouncy Castle, but I've got kids on there, that things like that, and we need to really get another picture. We're going out there next week. But that's Hope on Wheels. They do little kids' things. They do balloon games. They do fun and everything else. And it moves around every day. It takes a month, just to tell you how long it takes, to get round off three camps to get back to the same place they are. But it does one afternoon of Christian teaching. It does games and it brings hope. So there's day-to-day work and then there's things like this going on. Because these people are going to be here for 20 years. They ain't coming out of that in 20 years, the way the governments are working. This is another one. You see, this is something, and I want to bring this to you because this is, I'm looking at what did we do with your money last year? You gave us £1,600. And I thought you should see what you did with it. It's always interesting. You give money, you think, oh, that was good and we blessed something. I want to show you exactly what you did with it. This is a lad, I'm not, again, we don't use people's names, various reasons. It's got club feet. And this is from our project in Kenya, in Dreamland. And this is an opportunity. And this comes from the partnership. So we've had relationship, opportunity, and now the partnership with you makes this happen. Now, club feet is a serious problem for any child. In this country, you don't see it very often because they usually get them at babies and they manipulate them. Our child, had, our lad had thing, and we manipulated his feet and everything, or they can operate early. In this particular area, this is a spiritual curse on his family. So his family are disowned from the community. So his family are disowned because he's, he has this disability. It's not just the club feet. But for £250, we put his feet straight. You did six of these last year, guys. Six kids like that. I should have brought you six kids' pictures. I can't tell you which kids were. Okay, We've done 247 in total. The difference is, that's great. That's the relationship. Now you're seeing God work with transactional. You're seeing him do something. Now what else has happened? As a result of this work over the last four years, the government in Kenya are just introducing a new disability bill to recognise the work of disabled that actually they have the same rights as everybody else. That is a major breakthrough. In the local community, the spiritual witch doctor has been kicked out and the Christians have been brought in because they said, they're not cursed, they just needed an operation. That's the difference we're looking for. We're not looking just to fix children's feet. That's brilliant. We're looking to change transactionally. That's what rope is about. We spent last year £550,000. That's what we raised and we got out there, £550,000 and so we get 550,000 in and 550 goes out. And that's what we do. We spend it on things like this. We're looking for little projects. We're looking for local people, local churches, local people we can find. And we go and find them and we give the money to them. And when we measure it, I promise you, we measure it to the nth degree. We know where it all goes, but we're looking for the transformational. We're looking for governments to pass bills. We're looking for changes like that. Look at that face. Isn't that brilliant? I've got white faces on some of the things as well, because some people say, oh, you're but actually, because there's a thing about an African child's face, they really express the joy of Jesus Christ for me. They understand the joy of Jesus Christ. This is in India. This is Calcutta. If you've ever been to Calcutta on holiday or anything else, you'll see kids wandering around the station, because that's where they live. This is a quote from them. So we put a home in the middle of this, right in the middle of this station. We actually work right in the middle of the station. And we started a project. And over the last four years, we've been working really hard with these children. We educate them. We give them a safe place. 
And now we're building a little home to actually be able to take them out of the environment to actually educate them more and get them into the school system, get them into orphanages and everything else. It's such a vast problem when we look at it, we start to get overwhelmed with it, don't we? But there was a lady called St. Teresa, who was Mother Teresa, who is my guiding light. And if you've never read the story of Mother Teresa, it's the most humbling book you're ever going to read. This woman did amazing things, and everyone knows it. But a journalist, and my favourite story of her, I've got so many stories I love of her, but one of my favourite stories was when this journalist said to her, when she first went to uh, Delhi and Calcutta, she was working on these projects she started off, and they said there's nine million people need feeding. How are you going to manage it, Mother Teresa? And she said, one by one. And when I look at the life of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ said, meet everybody one by one. Don't get overwhelmed by the problems of the world. Don't get over, just do your bit today. Meet someone down the pub at lunchtime and tell them about Jesus Christ in a nice, subtle way. (coughs) The choice is they go to hell. If they don't know Jesus Christ, they go to hell. We don't like to say that in churches anymore, do we? But I go to places where it is hell and we bring Jesus Christ and you see the transformation. Because it is hell where they're living. They're living in hell. 10,000 people live in a slum. Kids, look at the age of those kids. Dumped by their parents, living on the railway lines. That's their way of life. That's hell. What do we bring them? We bring them heaven. Remember when John the Baptist baptised Jesus? The heavens opened, didn't it? Did it ever shut again? Did it ever shut again? Look at the Bible. Tell me where it shut again. The heavens opened and they remain open. The prayer, Jesus, bring heaven on earth, our Lord's prayer, heaven on earth. It's a reality. Look at your Bible and tell me where the heavens ever shut again. They never shut again. Jesus went up to heaven. Didn't shut, it stayed open. There is a direct path and you're in it, guys. Every single one of you. None of you can hide. Even the people behind the barriers, even people upstairs. You can't hide from this. Because heaven opened and we have to bring the joy of Jesus Christ to everybody. We have to bring them love, dignity and hope. And I don't care which charity you support. I don't care who you pray for. I care that you do something. Prayer. I brought a load of boards out there. One of the things I would ask you, when you go away, just look at those boards, see which touches you and pray on it. That's a project prayer. That means we've asked the projects, what would you like us to pray for for you this month? In they come. We have a look at them. That's for the last few months. Just project. Just pick a prayer. Just pray for that project today. It means so much that they know they're prayed for. So we've got relationship. We've got partnership. Opportunity, that's I'm going to spell properly. I, do. <coughs> I was never that good at school. And I'm just going to tell you one story to finish with. The extraordinary things God do, does. Hundreds of stories, I've got one. Everyone know the story of the Samaritan woman? Sits by the well, everything else, Jesus talks to her and everything else. Love that story. And in the story, Jesus says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I will give them will never thirst. Indeed, the story, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Lady in Bolivia, her name's Matondo, is a sex worker because she has to feed two children. No other income. How do you do it? You sell your body. Men, we should be ashamed of ourselves. But that's a fact, okay? But come over here. This woman listens to this story and decides on that moment to give up her life as a sex worker, no way other way of feeding her children, came to our project straight away and said, 
I want to give up my lifestyle right now because I listen to that word and I believe it. Now, how often have I heard that gospel story? I think, yeah, I've heard that gospel story. Have I actually moved my whole life, changed my life in that moment? I'm humbled and I learn a lot. What happens is we give a $30 or 30 quid, sorry, in this language, uh, 25 pound, okay? 25 pound into a training, to actually get her food. That allows her food for about three weeks. Get her into a training course. We teach her to sew, starts making things. We give her a sewing machine for about 138 quid. Bang, she's away. The thing I recognise is she transformed her life on the word of Jesus Christ. And what's she doing? Do you know what? She's bringing people to Jesus Christ every day. I'm not going to ask you to do it. But if I go into churches and say, how many people have you brought to Jesus Christ today, this week, this year? Okay, If we started at 10 and went downwards, okay, I'm not going to ask you to do it. And it's not about being shamed about it. I was asked that question years ago. And I kept sitting there thinking, get to zero, and I'll put my hand up. This woman has brought about 50 people to Jesus Christ in less time than I've spoken today. Because she witnessed, she listened to the gospel story and moved on it. And that's it. God's put on my heart with my charity and my work and everything else we're doing to actually go out and bring the love, hope and dignity of Jesus Christ and England football shirts to kids who don't understand that England's rubbish at football. (laughs) That's my real passion. They've also got Wiccan Wanderers shirts in Macedonia. It's fantastic. I'm spreading the word of of Jesus Christ and Wiccan Wanderers all at the same time. It's a blessing. We've got to reach 25,000 people in the next few years because God's told us that's what we're doing and we know what we're doing with the love, dignity and hope of Jesus Christ. But I want to take this from you. Everything you see that's good, go look to our website. All the good stories are because of you. Because of God and because of you. And you need to understand you can make a difference. And you need to understand you are making a difference. You need to understand you are living out the Great Commission. Because quite often we hear that thing, the Great Commission, disciples of all nations. And we think we're not doing it. Guys, you are. You are. Working with us, working with other charities, working in South End, doesn't matter. You are doing amazing things. God needs you to hear that today. That's what I came with. I came with a different message. But God needs some of you to hear that because you've got complacent. That's really nasty. But you sit there and you think, oh, no, you're making amazing differences in the world. That's what you have to recognise. God wants you to hear that today. Why did Easter and Pentecost happen? Because life every day can never be the same again. Let's just end with a song and a prayer. If I bring the band back up. Aren't the band good? Let's give them a round of applause as well. They're really joyous. <laughs> My prayer for you is this, that God will open your hearts to where your need is. You can take that stand. Don't worry about me, prayer. God will just honour you with a blessing of abundance on you and your family for all the good work you're doing, for the wonderful things you've done, for the blessings you bring us as rope, as all the other charities. But he particularly blesses each of you with opportunities today to witness for Jesus Christ. We have the opportunity still in this country to turn our faith around, to put this country back on its knees in front of Jesus Christ. My plea when I go around the world and when I talk to the pastors, they say to you, don't let miss the opportunity. We don't have the opportunity. You still do. Speak up for your faith. Be bold. Be brave. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.